excuse me, I, I sometimes procrastinate and forget to do things. And um, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I admit it. I struggle with it. Why do something now when I can wait till tomorrow? See, some of y'all are with me there. In school, I was definitely that way. Uh, you know, why study for the exam all through the week when I could wait to cram it the night before? I know none of you were, as students ever did that, but, um, or why not just type a term paper all night long and have it done just in time to turn it in the next morning? Harper Bazaar had the questionnaire about how to know if you were a procrastinator. Do you always hand, number one was, do you always hand in work at the deadline or later, but never early? Who would turn it in early? That's just crazy. Oh. Number two, do you always postpone starting a diet until some future time that never arrives? I think that may have arrived. Okay. Do you use, number three, do you use fatigue or a headache to excuse not getting things done? I'm just too tired. I'm, I don't feel good. I just didn't. Number four, do you clutter up the day with little things so you don't have the time to do the major things or something you were trying to avoid? I know Facebook and all that stuff never gets in the way. Do you put off going to the doctor because you think that whatever's going on will get better? We all know people that are like that. But we also know that procrastination can rob you of time and energy and will drain you eventually. I went back to school lots of years after I graduated from seminary, decided I was going to work on a doctorate degree. I thought that'd be a cool thing to do. Well, it was interesting that my studies at that time were way different than they were when I went through seminary the first time. The first time, as I've told many of you before, my goal was to get out had nothing to do with learning, it had nothing to do with anything else, it was to get out. That was my whole goal. Well, the next time I was doing it more of an educational purpose, it was more preparing me to be a pastor, more doing that kind of thing, and so I took the studies much more seriously. And I found myself doing reports, actually, before they were actually due. And I was studying all along for the test I couldn't wait till the night before. For one thing, I was older and didn't remember quite as well. And now it's even worse. That's kind of like with sermons. I have to kind of read them along all week long and work on that way. Or otherwise, by Sunday, I don't, you know. But my other problem is I can't do too much work on the Sunday night and Sunday morning at the same time or I'll confuse them. That's the way I am. It's very likely, though, if we don't watch out with procrastination, it'll take us on the road to hell. That should wake you up. Are we awake? No, we're trying. There are different kinds of people who are going to or not going to accept Christ. The first group is some people will not come to Christ because they are sinners and don't want anything to do with Christ and, and the forgiveness that he offers. They want no part of Christ or his church. There are people like that. You all have probably met them. There's another group of people that feel that salvation is for others. You know, those big sinners, those murderers, those thieves, those adulterers, those people that commit the big sins. 
And it's for those people. They're good people. They want to do right. They live a good life. They just think their good deeds are enough to get them through. Then there's probably the largest group. And that's the group that needs salvation and they procrastinate or they think there's plenty of time to accept Christ. I can accept Christ someday down the road. Someday it'll happen. They think that they are on the they don't think that they're on the road to hell. They just think there's plenty of time and opportunity to do something about it. Ecclesiastes 9:12 tells us this. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. <laughs> We don't know when our hour is going to come, do we? Luke 12, 40 says this. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling... Um, you must always, always be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. See, most of us don't think it's going to happen. We don't think of procrastination as a sin. We just kind of think it's, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I've even got a little thing on my desk I keep that says manana. As you know, manana is tomorrow, which means you never actually get there because it's always tomorrow. It's probably, though, ruined many lives, and though some of them, and more, probably more than you really think, I think about education. You know, I'll get my degree later, or I'll do better next year. Or the next test I'll do better, or whatever comes up. I'll start school next semester, or I'll, you know, our education, we want to put it off. We'll say, well, I'm doing fine now. What about your career? I'll apply for that position, that promotion next round, or I'll think about something else. I'll decide to look into that career and change, but maybe when the kids are grown, or maybe when, when the economy picks up. I'll, I'll do this later. We all have little times when we'll change and we'll decide to make that. What about your relationships? I'll fix that problem next week. I'll ask her to go out another time. I'll apologize tomorrow. I'll approach that subject when they're in a better mood. You know, our relationships, we put things off before we actually confront them. And of course, what about sharing our faith? Oh, I'll, I'll talk with them when, when there's not so many people around. I'll, I'll talk to them about Christ when there's a better opportunity. I'll, y'all get where I'm coming from? So our scripture passage this morning, I know y'all were wondering if I was going to get to that, <laughs> is Acts 24, beginning in verse 22. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. Then Lysias, the commander, comes and says, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ, Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, as preached, or he discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe so that when he sent him 
So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, who, but because Felix wanted to grant the favor to the church, Jews, he left Paul in prison. So we have this guy, Paul's in, we know Paul is in prison. We don't, I don't think we think about it enough that Paul was in prison all the time. He was in there a lot. And at this time, you think about right here, well over two years he was in prison. And so here he is, and Felix calls for him. Now, you don't have to ask Paul twice to preach about what God's done for him and about sharing the gospel. And, and here he asks for him. He said, now, and, and Felix had some leanings. You can see it says that he knew about the way. The way was what they called the Christians in those days. They were called the way. They had found the way, the truth and the life. There was Christ. They, they knew the way. So he had heard about it, so he had some le religious le leanings. Also, his wife was Jewish. So in other words, she knew about the Jewish religion. She knew about, what, about Christ and who he was and who he claimed to be. And so here he is preaching to him, and Felix gets under conviction. There's no other way to put it. He was afraid and all this. Now, there's a, several reasons probably why he, why he was afraid. Number one, he came with his wife. And what did he say he preached on? He preached on what? Three different things he discoursed on. He talked about righteousness, about self-control, and about judgment. Now those three major things, here we have Felix and his wife Drusilla. Drusilla sounds like somebody out of a Disney character, you know, a villainous, doesn't she? It doesn't sound like a villainous in a Disney movie, you know? Drusilla, uh, you know, I, so they come together. Now, Drusilla had been married before. Matter of fact, Felix stole her away from her future, her, her first husband. And like at 19, he, he, he got her and married her and took her as his wife, even though she was somebody else's wife. So we have that in his past. And you know that the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we do things like that, kind of pop up on us, don't they? They do. They come up to us. They go, mm -hmm, what you been up to? Yeah, you, you need to be listening to this. So here he is. He's under conviction. And, and you know, we knew Felix had done stuff and had, had done the things he knew he probably wasn't right. And so all of a sudden, here he is getting this sermon on righteousness, self-control, of which he obviously didn't have a lot of. And, that, and we know that self-control because Felix was dealing with a lot of things. Felix understood that right living was not all there was to it. That's why he must know Christ and his righteousness. And he had to understand that. And that's what Paul was trying to tell him. And he knew self-controlled were areas that Felix had to deal with. Because he, he wanted to know about Christ and was hoping for a bribe at the same time. See, he knew that Paul was helping a lot of Christians. And so he obviously had access to money somewhere along the line. He thought that Paul was rich. Well, Paul, number one, he, yeah, he had some money. But probably not at this point. He's been in jail for and Paul wasn't going to give him a bribe anyway. 
because Paul's convictions were that I'm not giving you a bribe. But Felix was hoping for that because he couldn't control himself. He, he lacked control, just like he did with stealing his wife. He didn't have the self-control. So all, you know these things hit him hard. These are things that he's kind of going, oh, what about that? I don't know. I don't know if I should do this. And then he said, I should be able to do things and be good. A lot of people think they can be good enough, and then that's got it covered. And he's saying, no, you don't. That's not how it works. There is more things. So he tells him that they think can decide. And, and what does Felix do? I'll, I'll decide later. Let me, let me walk out. He decided to procrastinate. Felix was number one. Here we go. I can do this later. Uh, I feel, I'm feeling under conviction, but I, I can wait till later. And you know, I think a lot of us feel that we don't have to do it today. Uh, there, there's a story of Dwight Moody was preaching to like 10,000 people, okay? That's a lot of folks to preach. I would be more than a little nervous in front of 10,000 people, okay? 10,000 people. He asked them, if you accepted, if you've already accepted Christ and Christ is your Savior, will you please stand? In that group, 7,000, between six and 7,000 people stood. So 60 to 70%. Then he told them, if you accepted Christ under the age of 15, sit down. Well over half sat down. If you accepted Christ before you were 18, sit down. Again, more than half of that group sat down. If you accepted Christ before you were 20, sit down. Another half sat down. 30, more than half sat down. By the time he got to 50, there were like 20 people left. I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And they told us over 80% of people that were going to accept Christ would do it before they were 18 years old. Think about that. Why is that? Folks, when you're younger and your minds are fresh and bright and sharp and you're open to the things spiritual, you're much more likely to accept Christ. I have baptized very few people over 50 probably count on one hand how many people I've baptized who are over 50. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Just means it's a lot more difficult. As you see, Felix came time, had Paul come time after time after time. And each time it probably got easier for him to turn him down. A lot more difficult the first time. And that's how it is. You all know this. Anybody that's witnessed to people or anything like that, if you've talked to people, the first chance you get, you're much more likely. Other chances becomes less. It's harder every time. The conviction of the Spirit is, is enough for us, but a lot of times it gets more difficult and we don't hear the Spirit as strongly and listen. So us procrastinators have to be very careful. 
Because it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, that was a great sermon. I really felt like that God, but, but you know, maybe not. I, I'll wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow will be all right. And you know, every evangelist you've ever heard has got the story of the person on the way home from the evangelism meeting was killed in a car wreck or something. Say that they lost their lives, that they had lost their last chance, and they'll give the long story with that. And while I am sure that does happen, most of us do it day after day after day after day after day. Sunday, I'll, I'll do it next week, or I'll, I'll do it another time. And it gets more difficult. History tells us that Felix died by committing suicide. The story is that he was in Italy and was looking into a very clear lake, saw his reflection, reflected on his life, and plunged into the lake and drowned. You see, he had the opportunity, yet he didn't take it. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Especially these days. I mean, come on, folks. We got crazy folks over, over in, uh, in Russia that's liable to hit the nuclear bomb. We don't know. We've got folks out of this world that are out to get us. They think that Christianity is idiotic and they don't want any parts of it. And, th and because they don't like it, they think nobody should have it. We have people in this crazy world that want to snuff it all out. They don't want any parts of us telling them people good news and giving them hope. We have a lost world out there that needs hope. They need it more than ever. They need to know what we've got. They need to know that guess what? There is a spirit and he can come and dwell in you. There is a God that gave his own son to die for you so that you can have eternal life with him. One that will wash away your sins. One that will take that guilt away from you. One that will give you a blessing like you've never had before. One that loves you so much that he gave it all just so you could have it. And we sit here and go, well, but maybe tomorrow. Maybe another day. We may not have another day. That person that we love so much that doesn't know Christ may not have another day. If COVID hadn't taught us anything, it's taught us that, we don't know who when they get it that's going to kill them or it's just not even going to be an issue. It's still that way. It's still why well, I know people that have died from it and people that never even knew they had it. That's the way it works. And we're in a world right now that's like that. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And so our procrastination could literally send people to hell. That's a sad thing to think about. We as Christians can't think that way. Christ is convicting us now. Today is the day to make that decision. We can't procrastinate any longer. We can't wait any longer. The time has come that we've got to step up and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, here I am, give me an opportunity to share. Lord, here I am, accept me, I'm a sinner that needs saved by grace. That's where we all are. Knowing this crowd, most of you have already made that decision. 
But if you haven't, today is the day. If you haven't, it's time. We don't have any promises after now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now with heavy hearts. There are people that are lost and dying and need you. Help us. We need courage to step up and to tell others. We need courage, Lord, to speak about our faith. Lord, sometimes we need courage just to step out and accept the grace and love you've offered. Help us. Open our hearts today. We need you. We need to hear from you. Thank you, Lord, for your promise of salvation, for the gift of hope and love that you offer. Help us to tell the world this world needs it so desperately. Thank you for all you are. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our time of invitation. This is your time. Any decision you need to make, we invite you to come. Whether it's unite with this church, whether it's accept the Lord as your Savior. There may be other decisions you need to make. This is your time as we sing.